But one of the reasons men don't recognize depression is that they're so disconnected from their emotional life. Right. Um, and so it's when we get disconnected from people, the most savage of all symptoms is isolation mm-hmm. and withdrawal. Yeah. Welcome to the HGW Podcast. We're your hosts, Zoe Sakutis and Erica Huss, founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped, scaled, and sold, and now we're moving on. We put down the juicer and picked up the mic to start a conversation. We'll bring you behind-the-scenes information on leading brands and emerging ideas in this rapidly evolving world of wellness. Every Wednesday, we chat with experts or entrepreneurs who help us cut through the noise and bring you information you can actually use. No shaming, no guilt, just the cold-pressed truth about real ways you can feel better, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And bonus, we even share our often humiliating personal experiences, all in the name of your wellness journey. Clinical studies have shown that writing five-star reviews improves mood and circulation. So if you like what you hear, give us some love and share with a friend. Often irreverent and occasionally intuitive, consider us your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Take it away, Zoe. Well, um, <laughs> so not gonna lie. Last night, forgive me, Father, for I drank an entire bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did. I don't know. There were too many people at the table. If you think you did, then you probably did. No, okay. There were there were a lot of people, and then there were a lot. There was a lot of wine wine being had, and when you do the count of like wine bottles, you're like the dead soldiers. How much? <laughs> how many dead soldiers at the end of the divided night? by people? Yes, divided by people yeah. equals. Did I drink all that? Mm. Although it was a little long period of time. I actually don't know if that's accurate, but I felt totally fine this morning. You look like a spring in your step and fresh as a daisy. I felt completely fine, which is probably a sign that something bigger is going on. (laughs) (laughs) But I felt fine. And I actually quite enjoyed myself last night. Good. And we just had an interesting conversation with a very lovely psychologist who specializes in addiction and mood disorders. Yeah. And, you know, he talks a lot about how women in particular these days are drinking quite a bit. And I, you know, because they are definitely um, doing more than they did, I don't know, even 20 years ago? Yeah. Not even. 10. 10 years ago, if you think about like how women have sort of entered the C-suite in a more real way, right? I mean, yeah. so it's not like they stopped having babies. So the stress level, the stress load, all of that he's saying is sort of a contributing factor. But anyway, it made me sort of think twice about my consumption last night. <laughs> um, but I was like, well, I'm, I'm not, this is, it was like one of those moments where I'm like, well, I'm actually having a great time. That's not. I'm not drinking because I'm like trying to mask some sadness. Right. In, in this moment, I was like quite happy and celebratory. And and he was the. Fr- we're talking about first of all, we're talking about Dr. Kevin Gilliland, um, who the, is who we interviewed. And yeah. I, I actually think that he was, you know, he spoke. Oh, he spoke on a lot of topics. We talked about depression specifically. We focused a lot on depression because I think we've spent quite a bit of time talking about anxiety and other mental health right. areas um, and not necessarily about depression and isolation. and Just the D word on its own. Yeah, yeah. which is a big one. Um, and we talked about the difference between how men and women 
both, you know, accept it and acknowledge it and then also handle it. And that's when we started talking a little bit about, you know, women using substance, alcohol specifically, um, as opposed to men. And I think he actually, you know, he was very, he's not judging. He's not saying like, you can never do it. He's, he's outlining, you know, the, the, the actual health risks and specifically the health risks with women and alcohol. Um, but also saying, you know, he understands that if you need to, find that day or maybe sometimes two days to, you know, have that as your tool, then okay. But then you also need to be honest about, you know, what you might be dealing with. As anybody, we're not talking specifically about, you know, people using alcohol or other substances. He's talking about just the overall balance, which you know, we all know, but it doesn't hurt to reiterate. <laughs> no, it's a it's a good conversation to have and it's a good reminder to just sort of look at our habits that we've fallen into, even habits that don't have to do with, you know, there are other all sorts of types of addiction, right? Like there's just looking at your phone too often. It's like, what are you trying to escape? Or like, right. what are you avoiding? Or what do you, you know, so we, we, we touched on all of these things. I'm just bringing it up because I just so happened to drink a bottle of wine last yes. night. No I judgments. Think, I think. Um, no, we don't judge here. There's no judging here, but but anyway, it was a good it was a good conversation. I'm glad we got a chance just to focus on the word depression because yeah. I think it's it's almost like with this sudden wave of you know celebrities coming out and talking about their mental health disorders or if they have if they're bipolar or if they're manic or whatever it is, we also have to remember that depression on its own is just everywhere. And for some reason, it still has a huge stigma. Yeah, it does. And it's unfortunate because the more it feels like you can't talk about it, the the more the shame factor kind of drives it. It, You know, it's like a vicious cycle. So he's a great resource. His organization, um, which is called uh, Innovation 360, which is outpatient counseling, is available. Um, We would send people to drkelvingilliland.com. And also, you know, we'll, we'll list some of the other resources that he's talking about in the show notes because it is something that nobody should feel like they're going through alone. And um, we just want to encourage more more conversation around it and make it feel like it's just as much a part of the wellness conversation as anything else. So with that, have a So listen. with that, yeah. Yeah, enjoy. Welcome, Dr. Kevin Gilliland. Yes, so good to be with you. So good to have so you. So good to have you. I feel like you're bringing some like... Uh, Texas yes. sunshine. Yes, I'm happy. That's right. I did. That's just a little thing I brought for you guys. Thank you. Just some warm, sunny weather. We appreciate it. Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. terrible right now. It's freezing. I know. It's like it's literally like 32 degrees in Brook in in New York right now, and it's the second week of November. So yeah, it's not really fun. cold. Not cool. No. Um. So we are not here to talk about the weather. No, we're here no, to we're not. Talk about your work as a therapist. You're a clinical psychologist, yes. and you have the Innovation 360 Center, which yes. if you would like to tell us a little bit yeah, about it's that. It's outpatient. We do outpatient mental health treatment. Um, but I love just, and you, we talked about this on the phone uh, a week or so ago. I love how y'all look at health in a broader perspective. And especially in the States, we think so narrowly about our health. And so the same for mental health. We really look to get outside of the office and go, okay, let's we can gain some insight, but you want behavior change. And that's where we struggle. So when you move through life with people, you see things you wouldn't even know to ask. And so we do try to work in, we, we work in some real traditional ways and some real non-traditional ways, but in ways that you see in a lot of other areas of medicine, like nutrition or cardiovascular or home health areas. Mm-hmm. 
So we love that kind of creativity. So more of like a holistic approach. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah. Very much so. Um, and our field, the mental health field is, uh, well, I was going to say mired in this traditional approach, but that sounds negative. But it is descriptively well, accurate. That's accurate. It really kind of is. Yeah. So yeah. that's what we really enjoy doing. So, yeah. Yeah. So we've, we really like to talk about mental health as a kind of pillar of wellness here because we feel like it's often an overlooked area. There's still, unfortunately, some taboo around talking about it, which seems strange and insane in this day and age. But it's lifting. It's lifting. It is lifting. I think the conversations are definitely becoming more frequent and yeah. more open and more holistic. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> which is good. But it is still one of those things. I mean, nobody wants to talk about... It's funny how no one really were uh, saying earlier that um, it's always like depression and anxiety or like, you know, mental health. Like it's somehow getting broad. It's oh, it's almost like still we're sort of circling around this word depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the depression on its own, not like anxiety and depression or like <laughs> manic depressive or like bipolar depressive or right. whatever. So yeah, I think we wanted to. Yeah, we wanted to sort of give it its its moment because we have we've done a couple episodes. We've talked about anxiety quite a bit. We talk about it on our own all the time, but depression on its own and how it how it manifests, how we deal with it, how men and women deal with it differently, oh, yeah. um, all of the sort of roadblocks. So, I mean, let's let's start from the beginning. Okay. What, are we, what are we looking at here? What are we looking at? The difference between, I'll often talk to people about the difference between depression and being down is like the difference between having a, a man cold and pneumonia. <laughs> it's completely different animal. Yeah. Um, and so depression... One of the hallmarks for any psychological diagnosis is, is it causing clinically significant distress in your life? And it's always a time period. It's not just this weekend or this was a bad week. We all have bad weeks. We all have bad days. We all have bad weekends. But when we string together weeks, Mm -hmm. that's a problem for us Mm -hmm. because now it's become really a daily pattern. Um, And it's, it's fascinating that our mood issues are one of the top three reasons for people going on short-term and long-term disability. Mm-hmm. Employers track it, and it's fascinating. They categorize it in two different ways. One is absenteeism, which is, I just can't even be there. And the other is called presenteeism. And it basically means I'm still going to work, but it's taking me longer. I'm not as creative. I'm not as... You're not as present. I'm not as present. Mm -hmm. And that's really what a mood disorder does is it robs us of who we are and the things we love. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think as we look at what's normal in my mood because Mm -hmm. life can be stressful and when do I need to look at doing some things to help address it? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It it totally makes sense. And I think, I mean, I feel like I personally, and I'm sure most people could say they've gone through phases where... You know, like I feel like I've had bouts of, I don't know if it would be considered depression. I've definitely felt bluesy um, for periods of time that have felt, you know, longer than a couple of days or based around a specific, you know, if you can tie it back to an incident or explain it, it somehow feels like it's easier to step away from it. Whereas, you know, if you have moments of I, everything in my life feels like it's okay and stable, et cetera. So why can I not shake this? 
whatever it is, this fog, this uh, cloud that I'm mm-hmm. driving around. But I mean, how do you know when? I'm so glad you said that because yeah, the chronic piece. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and it's the most confusing piece. Like sometimes I can look at my life and go, okay, I just changed jobs and I really miss my friends, or I missed what I did, or I lost somebody, right. or I lost a dog or a pet that was help me transition in a lonely time of life. Or we experience these losses or divorces where now I'm really in this transition. And that seems to make sense. Still very difficult. But when everything seems good or when I've been really successful and feel this way, it's really confusing to us. Mm -hmm. And we're actually slower to go, hey, I think I need some help because it logically doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm now at a place of age, probably is the main driver of, I get to work with some really wonderful men and women that have been incredibly successful. And success is a relative term. Sometimes it's billionaires and sometimes it's people that have become a manager over a store. And that was, they're really doing extremely well. They're always surprised at how they feel doing something they love and something they've been successful at that. Why am I down like this? Mm -hmm. You see it a lot with moms too. I was just talking to somebody yesterday of, okay, having a baby is quote, supposed to be this wonderful time. It's also a sleep deprivation experiment and hunger and this unbelievably difficult transformation that women's bodies go through. And you go, okay, but I'm supposed to be happy and not supposed to have this uncertainty and insecurity. And it's times like that that we really struggle to go, okay, I'm I'm not doing okay. Mm -hmm. Especially when everyone around you is like, Congratulating you and oh, like, isn't this great? You've done such a yeah. great thing. Like, but it's like, the same. Yeah, my internal world does not match that, my external world. Yeah. Exactly. So that, and then you start doubting yourself, and then you're like, oh my god, and then no one talks about it. It's the same. I mean, you could apply that to to careers again as well, right? So if yes. you have this smashing success, we were just talking to someone recently who had a similar experience. You know, it was a very home run kind of moment in his career and sold his business and. Yep. You know, I was like, well, how did you feel after that happened? And it was just like, eh, right. kind of crappy. Yeah. It kind of felt horrible and uh, took about two years off and, you know, kind of tried to figure out what, 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 which way was up. I was kind of lost. Yeah. yeah. I, had, I, I mean, I've been chasing this and then I got there. And like, an identity crisis. Right. Now that whole thing, it's the same thing with um, parenting, right? Oh, so you have this gosh. whole crazy identity shift. If yes. It's like... Tied to who you were before children. And then if it's like tied to who you were before, you know, when you had a business, you were like this figure. And then yeah. when you had a child, you know, so it's a very, it's an interesting parallel. Yeah. But identity crisis, right? Like, yeah. And that's a, and that actually is one of those symptoms that we look at when it comes to mood disorders is that sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of the most, sev- if, if you don't look at any of your other struggles, I, I was, Talking about, you know, Movember is men's health. Mm-hmm. And we're terrible at it. But men are. We're just horrible at it. And we're looking at some of the reasons. It's mildly funny. But looking at some <laughs> of the reasons why men don't recognize it. And one of the first they talk about is, is a term, alexithymia. You've probably never heard of it. But it basically means you don't have feelings. And, and if you do, you have no clue what they are. Mm-hmm. And it's not mm-hmm. a term we developed specifically for men, although it seems like it. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons men don't recognize depression is that they're so disconnected from their emotional life. Right. Um, and so it's when we get disconnected from people, 
the most savage of all symptoms is isolation mm-hmm. and withdrawal. Yeah. We, and, and so as you look at mood stuff, and I was talking about that with men to go, okay, look, look for some basic things. One of those, if you are disconnected from the people you care about, that, and, and it's over weeks and stretches into months, and it's subtle, right? It's, I got a text from somebody I really like, but I didn't even respond back to them. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like they were asking for something. They were, oh, hey, I saw this and thought you think it's funny. And you're like, mm-hmm. I just couldn't even engage right. at that lowest level. Okay, that's fine for a day and maybe a weekend because you just wanted to sleep. Mm-hmm. But if it's a week or two weeks, or you go, ooh, that should be one of those areas that we look at. Mm-hmm. But then also that sense of identity, which you talk about differences between men and women. Women with mood disorders or mood issues report that far more than men do. That sense of not themselves or self-esteem, if you will, really dips more for women than it does for men. Now, Wait, how do you mean? So the self-esteem... Women are more able to... Actually, it's really that I think, well, both it occurs more in women, that that one symptom, but women do a better job of verbalizing mm-hmm. that my self-esteem is not what it was. Right. Especially like in the transition from being a career woman to a mother. Yeah. That That's a very different... I can't tell you how many women I've talked to about that. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. I just raised my hand. Oh my gosh, yes, she did. For those of you (laughs) listening at home, you did, you raised your hand. I remember talking with a lady. She's one of the most remarkable women I've I've ever worked with. Had an incredibly successful career at a multinational company. And she goes, she said, she goes, I used to walk in the room and I was the person everyone in that room wanted to talk to. Every camera, everybody. And now I walk in a room, no one even knows I'm in the room. And I'm a mom and it's, and she loved it. It was a wonderful role, but that was a, and I had seen her 20 something years after that, but it still left this real psychological bookmark Mm -hmm. for her of, Mm -hmm. wow, I didn't see that coming. Right. And she's not, I'm, you know, I'm sure she doesn't have like problems with narcissism or anything. She's just a normal person and that's just a normal response. Yeah. And and you're just, the shift is big. yeah, Yeah. And you captured it. She said it in an observational way. Right. You know, not in this inflated. It was like, wow, I didn't realize Mm -hmm. those things in my life that I identify with that are my, not necessarily who I am, but they're a little bit of our identities. They're not the total. Yeah. Because we spend so much time at work. Uh, And that's really what she was saying was, wow, I got lost for a little while. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that she would have even said she was depressed. Right. Right. Which is funny. Back to the point of, why are we so reluctant? I'm the same way. I do this for a living. It's embarrassing. And I'm like, okay, am I just down or am I depressed? Right. And I know the data and I know the symptoms. You're like, oh, okay, why am... And then to observe and go, why am I fighting this so much? Right. And it almost sometimes I find that people have an easier time saying like, I'm having anxiety. Yeah. Than saying like, I'm funny. just depressed. Well, it feels less... It feels less serious it feels, somehow. Um, it feels like something that more people are dealing with. So well, it's a little I, bit more normalized. Yeah. And I feel like also people associate anxiety with being like busy, stimulating, yes. and yes. doing a lot. And so yes. somehow there's no shame wrapped around it right. because you're like, wait, I have anxiety because I'm just so active and overwhelmed with my bustling life. Whereas like, if you just, if you're just like, hey, I'm just depressed. You're kind of like a sad, pathetic person. Right. Well, you can't pull yourself out. Right. So there's like a very- That's the craziness in our heads. That's the craziness in our head. But I think it's also, we're getting that from outside of our heads culturally, which I think is, you know, 
why I wanted to like break those two yeah. things yes. apart yes. and say, let's just talk about depression on its own for a minute. So good. Because it's it's sort of like is the interview question of, okay, so Kevin, tell us, what's one area you need to work on? You're like, I work too much. And you're like, well, that's just, right. it's you're a workaholic and anxious. But we value that in the workplace. Right, it's commendable, at yeah. least in our culture. Like, I know. That's something to aspire to is when you're too busy to function, it's like, oh, you must be doing something right. Yeah. And the reality, you're actually not prioritizing your time correctly. You're not looking out for yourself. Oh. And you're doing a disservice. Mood disorders, we feel and think like them in a similar way to addictions. I see people wrestle with that same sense of the perception is I don't work hard or I'm just not disciplined or not motivated. It's, oh, how, it's this, I feel sorry for you more than, oh, wow, aren't you? How much do you work and you do mm-hmm. this? And you go, well, the price I pay is still similar. It still costs me as much as this, but that perception externally is very different. Yeah. Um, so when yeah. we are talking about depression and it's classified as something clinical rather than, I guess, ephemeral or 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 just you know a bluesy moment. I mean, yeah. what? Where? Where? Like, how? Where do you go from there? Yeah. And and how do you? Well, like, what's what is the work that you do? Yeah, I think the the first thing is just get some information. If you're wondering, like, if people are listening and you go, "Hey, God, I wonder," there's some great resources out there. I'll send you guys a couple from the National Institute of Health. They've got a great brochure that just lists out, okay, what are the symptoms and how is it different for women versus men versus older people. Mm-hmm. And how do I kind of look at, is this some of what I may struggle with? And, and then it's got recommendations as well. But for perspective's sake, you look at the number of people that have a chronic medical condition, or if you've had cancer, cardiovascular disease, or diabetes, if you look at those three, which consume the majority of our healthcare dollars, 30% of people with those diagnoses have a major depressive disorder. It's, it's, As compared to what is the percentage of the people in the population? Who do that? Yeah. Depression is anxiety disorders are the most common with about 40 million Americans. So it ends up being a little over 10, about 12, 14 percent, maybe okay, 50 so like percent. Twice as much. Depression is about 20 million people. Okay. Same with addictions. But when you look at chronic medical conditions, the rate of depression, anxiety as well. They trap. They do travel a lot together, and they're particularly toxic when they travel together. If we get to that later, we can touch on it. But depression exists for a lot of people just with a diagnosis of cancer, mm-hmm. or just with a diagnosis of we've got to do open heart surgery. And sometimes the physiological reaction to having heart surgery, especially for men, is an increased. But it really should be talked about as, hey, one of the side effects for the kind of surgery you just had with your heart is sometimes people have a depression or a depressive episode. It, it happens enough, we should talk about it as a side effect of these illnesses. And is it happening because something psychological is being, it, it, you're just putting yourself into a state where you feel you feel weak, you feel inadequate, you feel like you're somehow less than, or is it happening because there's something chemical that is triggered by this medical? Yeah, I love that question. It's fascinating. We don't know for sure because the truth is it's both of those things. But when they looked at, they did a big study looking at depression and cardiovascular disease and what accounts for the depression. The majority of it, I won't say all of it, but 
like 90% of it loaded on one symptom, physical inactivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you, I was with a, a pharmaceutical company in medical affairs and they had a particular medication, ProVigil, which is indicated for like narcolepsy and shift workers. We also use it, pilots use it on the space shuttle and those things to help promote alertness and it's not a stimulant. But we spent time with all these cancer physicians because they said, listen, when someone's having cancer treatment or cardiovascular, the medications and the procedures are very sedating. And if you're sedated, go back to the most savage symptom for any human is withdrawal and isolation. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely not a single symptom worse for us than that. And so if you're tired or medicated, you're sleeping. And if you're sleeping, you don't see the people that come by to visit you Mm -hmm. and you're not eating Mm -hmm. and you're not moving. And those three things are the most powerful medicine for humans Mm -hmm. and and especially for mood disorders Mm -hmm. is that just movement. There, There have been several... A meta-analysis is where they say, hey, this is the gold standard for a study we're going to consider. And we're going to look at all the studies that met that standard. And so I love meta-analytic research. And when they look at exercise and depression, it absolutely helps improve our mood when we move. They've done studies looking at exercise versus Zoloft. It was an old study where people would exercise three times a week versus just taking antidepressants. Now, what we don't know is, is it a physiological or is there's a sociological piece to mood disorder, right? If I'm just in my house, I don't have people smile at me that don't know me. And just somebody smiling and saying, hey, how are you doing today? That's that's kind of good medicine for us. And so we have to think broader about what health is. And so when you think about how much depression occurs, there's, I want to say... I think it's uh, there's a hundred million Americans that have a chronic medical condition like cancer, diabetes, cardiovascular disease. That's like one in three. Yeah. And if a third of those people have not just a medical illness, but also a mood disorder that leads to isolation and physical inactivity and mm-hmm. withdrawal from things we love, what you find on for cancer treatment, cardiovascular is they have an increased use of pain medications and the effectiveness of treatment is worse. Mm -hmm. So if you have cancer and you also have symptoms of depression that aren't being treated, your cancer treatment is not going to be as effective. The course will be longer and you'll take more medications. So back to your question, get information about what are these symptoms And what are the things that are good medicine? Talking to a therapist, yes, that's fine. Big fan of that. Even a psychiatrist, yes, that may be necessary too. But are you moving? What are you eating? Because your nutrition, so we have to think broader. Mm -hmm. It's a big part of it. What was your, well, because then it begs the question, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, but what happens when you are the person who does get sleep and you eat well and you're exercising regularly and then you're still dealing with these things because that's the person who says, again, I'm doing everything right. Yeah. Now what's happening? Yeah. And that's where I wish we'd quit calling. There's something about therapists that men in particular really dislike that term. In fact, most of the men I work with that are successful, it's funny listening to them talk about 
they'll tell me a story of a conversation they're having with their colleague, and they always have me in the role of a coach or a consultant. Mm-hmm. Like, that's funny. You know I'm a therapist. Yeah, right. But it's, 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 yeah, it's a dirty so word for a lot of really men. It's really weird. It's a, especially for men. Y'all do much better at it than men do. But when you're doing those things and still feel that way, go talk to somebody that's knowledgeable. And for women, it tends to be their OB-GYN or their PCP. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Actually, I shouldn't. Man, I committed to not lying today. <laughs> that's a bad idea. You should go to an OB-GYN if you're having a baby or, or if you have other female-related issues. Right. But if, if you think you have cancer, don't you want to see an oncologist? Right. And so you go, okay, if you think you have a mood disorder, go see a specialist. We are hyper-specialized in all areas of medicine, yeah. except this area. Yeah. Yeah. We go so to the people that we're comfortable with and you're like, do you know what medication they're going to prescribe you? They're going to prescribe you the antidepressant that they learned about in medical school. Or that a pharmaceutical rep or gave that them some rep to, was right, yeah. told me about it. And you go, that's not what I want. Go to a specialist. I've had some orthopedic injuries over the year and, and I had a shoulder, I had some shoulder issues. So I'd have shoulder surgery. And while I was there, I was talking to my orthopedic guy. I was like, Hey, something's my elbow. And he goes, Oh yeah, no, I don't do elbows. I'm like, what do you mean you don't do elbows? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the closest joint to the shoulder. That's and so, amazing. Yeah. Right. So we're so hyper-specialized I'm okay with that. Just do the same thing with your mental health. Right. If you think you may be down, get the name from a friend or a coworker or a resource of, hey, who's really good? Ask your OB-GYN. Hey, who do you use that's really good for issues with women that may have a mood disorder or postpartum mood or anxiety so that I'm doing all of these things, but I may not be doing them quite right. So I want to talk to somebody that's really knowledgeable that may be a psychiatrist or maybe a therapist. Mm-hmm. So can I just go back for a minute to the... I know we were talking about the differences between men and women and talking about this sort of identity um, crisis or those big shifts that happen um, being a major contributor to depression. Mood disorders. What about the aging community? What about the seniors? I mean, if you think about having an identity crisis, man, I just like... If you think about all of the chronic... All of the diseases and illnesses you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. coupled with this shift in like maybe retirement, you're just not even in the workforce anymore. Oh, or, you know, even like empty nest. Um, like what happens with that group? It's a huge group. And I, I have to imagine that like the shifts that they're experiencing are just as um, powerful as, you know, something like having a baby yeah. or, yeah. you know, having that. If not more, because not now more, they're looking yeah. at they're a looking totally at different end of chapter. Life. Yeah. I mean, they're literally looking mortality, you know, they're having a different experience with mortality and, there's a uh, lot going on for like the aging community. Yes. And and God, it's both <coughs> mildly embarrassing and mildly fascinating, right? Because I love what I get to do and I read a lot. And I'm like, wow, I was totally surprised by that. Like I have been... Okay, well, let me back up. First of all, we should feel something. We should feel joy. We should feel sadness. We should, it, it's the human experience. The goal is not zero. Right. When someone dies that was meaningful in your life, that sadness is simply confirmation that they were that special to you. And so we should feel some of that. I don't feel sad for people that pass away that I don't know. I mean, I'm sad for you if I know you, but it's, it's, it's a reflection of it was meaningful. I can't tell you how many women I've talked to and some men too of when their last kid graduates, 
they feel like they've lost a job. Mm-hmm. Like a sadness and sometimes a depression of my kids don't need me anymore. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, do you not remember being in your 20s? They need you. They don't know oh, they need you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they still need you and they need you in a very different way. In a but different the, way, right? the shock of, I feel like I've lost my job or retiring. We're living healthier. And I have a, I have a very close friend that's a pilot. And I saw him about two weeks ago and he's a pilot for a major airline. And he talked about retirement. And I had two really powerful reactions. One, oh my gosh, are we really that old? Because we're mm-hmm. buddies from college. I'm yeah. like, you have how many years left before you have to retire? And it's like in your 60s. Right. And I'm like, right. we're living healthy a lot longer. And our identities... Even when we have a really good balanced life, we don't realize how much of them are tied to things we've either always wanted to do or wanted to be or has occupied so much of our time and attention that they go away and we're surprised at how impactful they can be to us. Even people that have been successful and sold companies are like, wow, I feel like I snapped the rudder off my ship. Mm And my mood is down and I don't feel like I can talk to anybody about this because they're like, why are you down? Like, okay, I got to find somebody else that I can have this conversation. But the longer we live, we do see greater rates of depression for those that retire and don't think about it. We're obsessed about retiring from one aspect. What's the one thing we all think about when it comes to retirement? Money. Do I have enough money? And you're like, Okay, forget the money part. We've been so neurotic about it that we're doing better about it. What are you doing with your time? Right. And that you're Which, now disconnected. Exactly. The isolation really plays a huge factor there. Yeah. There was a gentleman that I've worked with who had a wonderful, successful career, but his career was his life. And when he retired, he has been in a severe depression because his community was at the office. And when he didn't transition well to us, who's my community now? Where do I reinvest? Not for the financial reasons, but because it's good medicine. I need to be plugged into other people mm-hmm. or projects. or And you look at all the dementia research and even all the mood research, those things are protective for us. Staying engaged and plugged in. Again, it goes back to if it's isolating, be very, very careful about how long that goes on. Right. Yeah, and you look at even like the um, you know the super agers of the world and oh, like these blue zones yes. and what they contribute. A big piece of th- that puzzle is you know the question being why do they live so long? Is their environment and the social uh, connection, the community that they have, um, yes. and the sort of like multi generational ways of living and just constantly being a- a- around friends and family is a l- big yes. factor. Love that book, and again. It, because it speaks to our mood and it's so encouraging. I say this to men all the time. The good news is there's a lot of good medicine in your world, but start looking and listening. And I love the blue zones. You go, oh no, it's our nutrition and our activity level and our Basic. engagement yeah, yeah. with relationships. The other one that's equally fascinating is the Harvard Longevity Study. It's the oldest study in the field of psychology. It started in the 60s. They looked at 200 and some odd Harvard sophomores. JFK was one of those. And they tracked and followed them every year. Then they added some Boston people, I mean, inner city people. And I mean, they've done everything from blood work to x-rays to interviewing them, interviewing their spouses, all of these things looking at physical health and happiness in life. And the number one thing, a predictive of our physical health is meaningful, loving relationships. Mm -hmm. 
for our physical health. At 50, when they went back and looked at the data, looking at your cholesterol level versus do you have someone meaningful and loving in your relationship? Uh, this was more predictive than cholesterol. It's your physical health. Right. That is powerful stuff. Huge. And so on that note, can we just talk about the impact of social media and all of uh, our fake friends and our fake social communities and like our followers and how that is impacting our health. I mean, how have you experienced that uh, in your in field? You know, it takes us a while as a field to see trends. Yeah. It, it just does. We have plenty of data. The, the trends are apparent that our life expectancy for the first time ever dipped down three years ago. And it dipped down two reasons, increase in suicide and increase in opiate deaths. Right. And what is the driver of suicide and, you go, and opiate is, usage? And you go, the level of stress, social media, we're still looking at how to use responsibly. We, it's funny, we talk about our kids, but how about the adults that states have to pass laws so that you're not on your phone right. driving or businesses have to have policies about no cell phone while we're in a meeting. Right. Right. And you go, okay, we're not navigating that space well. And it has added to our stress mm-hmm. and our workload in really negative ways mm-hmm. because the world got big in a hurry. You used to have to worry about being bullied or shamed but in your fifth you know, fifth period PE class or biology. Now it's some clown in Austria you've right. never met. In the middle of the night, yeah. That you're just like going, okay, how do we look at responsibly right. our engagement with social media? And be, you talked about it earlier, being present. Yeah. We do not multitask. We've had plenty of years of data to go, I'm a multitasker. Right. Okay, you for sure are not a multitasker because right. you think you are. It's like the people that think, oh, I can just get by on four hours of sleep. You for sure can't. There, there are small numbers of humans that can. And if you think you are, you're for sure not. And it's the same with multitaskers. What we find right. is, oh, you can do two things at once, but neither of them are Yeah, you're excellent. doing neither well. Right? Right. Neither exactly. of them you're doing yeah. well. You're doing yeah. both average I think or women are, are a little bit more. Men somehow have like become comfortable with the fact that they do not multitask. And women are like, Look at me! I can multitask and do like the right. cooking and the but cleaning and the look where that look where that lands. Look where that lands. Us. Yeah. Us. Yeah. Exactly. It's landed you yeah. with two years ago. Jer- yeah. The JAMA Journal of the American Medical Anxiety Association looked at increased rates of women's alcohol use in the past ten years. Yeah, and they said it borders on epidemic. Yeah, uh-huh. you're you're increasing frequency and binge use, and you come back to the difference between men and women with mood disorders. Men almost always report physical symptoms first. That's mm. just so sad and classic of us. You know, I'm, t- I'm tired, I'm achy, I don't have energy, my appetite and sleep. You sound depressed, right? right? right. No, it's not that. I right. must have Lyme disease. Right. No, you don't have Lyme disease. Right. You're also tearful and you've, no, I don't think it's that. I think some esoteric, weird medical, I can't tell you how many men I know that have had these insane physical workups. It's it's mildly funny. Yeah. And since I'm talking about my group, I can, it's well, ridiculous. It We're like suggests such an un, a complete lack of willingness to just admit that this is actually, it's okay. And, it's okay. And this disconnect between yeah. an emotion and my experience. Right, right. So men report the physical problems um, far more than women do. 
Y'all are so much better verbally than we are. I'm not sure we ever catch up. We try. But then the other fascinating thing is men will tend to use alcohol and drugs to try to mask and treat and lift Mm -hmm. their mood issues. Mm -hmm. That's why it's, you'll see, and I don't want to get down a side trail, but all of this adult ADD is very controversial in the research area. It's uh, And many psychiatrists are like, that's not a thing. Huh. But if you're stressed and if you're depressed, treatment for ADD is a stimulant. Ritalin. It's Ritalin. It's yeah. Ritalin. Now, if you have a child that has attention deficit, it has the opposite effect of speeding that hyperactive child up. It actually slows them down. Right. It's easy to diagnose. But with adults, you're like... You're trying to treat a depression, which is, I don't have as much energy. I'm not sleeping well. I can't focus. I can't focus. I've reduced my productivity, my productivity, my food intake. And you're like, that's a mood disorder. It's not going to get better with energy drinks and a stimulant. Mm -hmm. But you'll feel like you're, you're, yeah, now you're getting faster to the scene of the crime Mm -hmm. or the accident. You're actually not treating it. That's really interesting. And so we have to be really careful about misdiagnosing what's actually going on. So that's where I come back to read some basic information about mood, how frequently it happens, and talk, especially for men, but successful women as well. It's that sense of your psychological health and well being. We're more comfortable with that and with symptoms than we're a diagnosis. So, what happened? What shifted where now women are joining the men or maybe eclipsing the men on the drinking alcohol to deal with their everyday depression and anxiety or whatever, whatever yeah. the disorder might be. We're we're not real sure the exact What were they doing before? Um not drinking like men. Some of it's a social piece. Uh-huh. Some of it we also think maybe, you know, y'all touched on it earlier. Um career women that have children um have far greater stress and workload than their husbands, even when their husbands are involved and engaged. I mean, I, I like to say that I've been, was an involved dad when my, yeah. I had small children. Now they're just grown adults. So now it's stealing. Anything they take now is theft. It's not, oh, you're young. You're a grown adult and have a right. job. Those are my clothes. I want them back. But when they're little, I felt like I was helping. Honestly, maybe I was doing 10%. Because mm-hmm. yeah. my wife loves kids and teaches. She's a full-time, you know, she teaches school. We've got three kids. And if you objectively look at it, she shoulders far more of the burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you're a career woman and you have children, you're shouldering far more stress psychologically and greater sleep loss. Oh, yeah. It's far greater burden. And so part of the question is, socially, as women... It's not been that long. When you look historically, women have not been in the same leaderships as men for a lot of bad reasons for nearly as long. And now you start to see that curve changing and career women. One of the questions that we've been looking at is, okay, so does some of the social norms has, and those have absolutely shifted for a lot of positive reasons, some for negative reasons. We're also seeing cardiovascular issues increase for women, but the alcohol consumption, and we don't fully know, is it for some of the same mistaken reasons that men will use alcohol to decrease the stress and improve the mood? It's some of the reasons that we see an increase in opiate addictions because you can go into, I can't tell you how many wonderful men and women 40s and 50s will go in to have a surgery and need a pain med and opiates dull pain. 
they dull physical pain and emotional pain. And so if you're in a difficult marriage or a stressful job, you may continue on those pain meds, but not for physical pain related to your surgery, right. but and for psychological pain. After that. And much like the stimulant, that's not your issue. And so alcohol is one of those that's terrible. It does not treat our mood problems and our sadness and feeling trapped. And No, I mean, alcohol definitely makes you de- more depressed. depressed. It's a central it's nervous system de- depressant. So at a, at a cellular level, it's stripping your energy away. Yeah. But it's sometimes really just giving me <laughs> personally, you know, when I'm like stressed or having anxiety, like, yes, I will definitely, I'm sure, drink more than I should. And, um, you know, I have two kids and I work and I have career and all the rest. It's just like, oh my God, sometimes just like the yeah. moment and like solace of the mind is maybe counteracting whatever is happening on a cellular level. And I, I'm, it, it feels real yeah. necessary. To you still get to speak louder than yourselves in that moment. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. like, you guys have to quiet down for a moment. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's quick. It's immediate. And yeah. I it's also social. So that's what makes it a little confusing and counterintuitive. Right. And these people here don't know if I had anything before or I had anything after. Right. They just know what they saw. And... I'm fine with people doing that one evening or even a weekend, but it's when it becomes routine that right. we start to have problems. Yeah. And then we get the dose wrong. Right. It's not just one glass of wine. And yeah. for, for women, one glass of wine a day increases your odds of breast cancer by 10 to 15%. Yeah. That's a lot. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. What does it do for men? Not breast cancer. Right, but right. it does it does increase the rates of other cancers. And for reasons we don't fully know, alcohol is particularly toxic to females. Yeah. Like really, like unfairly so. When you look at the data for cancers and cardiovascular overall health of alcohol use yeah. compared to men, it's not fair. It 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 has a Devastating toll on women versus men. God, we have to have the babies and I we know, can't have right? a drink. I'm, I'm honestly, what? it's not right. It is not right, but <laughs> I have no not. on it. But to say, be mindful of what you're doing and what's the intent behind it. You know, people think because I've done a lot of work in um, addiction and substance abuse that I'm anti marijuana or anti alcohol. I'm like, look, our problem's not alcohol and our problem's not pot. It's also not social media, it's how we're using it. Right. right. And the intent behind it. Am I just scrolling because I want to be distracted or I'm drinking? But I'm okay with that for a day or two. But when it becomes a habit, I need to develop my psychological muscles because these things will atrophy our psychological muscles. So when we have or use alcohol to manage our mood day after day after day, Mm -hmm. it's like if you've ever had to wear a cast, you know, when they finally take it off. It's alarming. Atrophy, You're like, yeah. I'm not going to ever be able to use this. I said yeah, that to a doctor That's really time. interesting. That's and I was analogy. like, he took it off and I was like, what did you do to my hand? I broke my thumb. And I was like, um, where did my arm go? Where did my muscles what go? Yeah. yeah. And he was a really nice guy, but I don't think he expected my interaction. I'm like, seriously, what'd you do? There's something, it looked hor- It was alarming. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. <laughs> and it's like, no, you'll be fine. I'm like, I'm not so sure. 
<laughs> so he goes, no, you start with these and you slowly you put it back together. And the good news is much like your hand or if you've had a cast, our psychological muscles are the same. They haven't gone anywhere. They've just been dormant because you haven't been addressing the fact that your psychological muscles aren't being used. And part of that goes back to, did you not realize your mood was down and something was wrong? Because mm-hmm. right. that's what you were dealing with is your moods. I don't care what you call it. And I've really shifted the past five or 10 years of talking in diagnostic terms, mainly because people will argue, especially successful people, because it's, no, I'm, I'm the one that does this or is responsible for this. I don't, I'm the helper. I'm not the one that needs help. Right. And that's, again, successful people. And everybody can have mood issues, but I think we don't see it and we're surprised by it when we've been successful or we've, whether and success, whether it's married or I finished college or I've got a full-time job or I started this company and sold. And you go, okay, what are these symptoms? Because I may be doing some things that are atrophying some other things that I can be doing like nutrition or plugged into a community or just physically being active. I, I worked with this health and wellness center in, in Dallas and I love what this guy used to always say about being active. He goes, walk your dog. Whether you have a dog or not, walk your dog. <laughs> right. like, that's so great. Yeah, that's true. This notion that I have to go do cardiovascular for 180 minutes a week. Right? You're like, go walk your dog. I know. Right? Listen, I if you have a dog, Movement is medicine. It yeah. is medicine. And that's encouraging for men and women of going, okay, I don't want to see a therapist. Okay, if you want to stay out of my office, make sure you're tracking these things. Right. We track so much stuff now. I always joke about, I should not know how many calories are in a banana, but I do. Right. I try to eat healthy. You're like, well, how much time are you on social media? Yeah. How much did you? Now, for, I do love and I'm a big fan of watches and things that count our steps and go, I have not moved. Yeah. Okay, that's not good. You you need to move. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I I, I don't go to the gym every day, but I do have a lot of stairs in my you, house. I have, you have two children, and I have a dog. You are getting steps. And you I have do, children and, I, and a dog. I have children and a dog. Many flights, and then I also live in an urban setting. So yes. I do not live in a car culture. I no. walk to the train. Oh I walk up the stairs. I'm I, so envious of that. It's not even. I walk fun. to the grocery store. You know. I'll send you um, one of the most fascinating and really discouraging slides you'll ever see is by the CDC that looks at the change in obesity mm. and what they call metabolic syndrome. And you talk about epidemics in this country. And a lot of that's tied to how we eat and how we move. Yeah. And it varies by state. Um, there's no question. And those things impact our mood as well. And that's why I love y'all's discussions about health broadly, because we have gotten so anchored, especially in the States, in this Western medicine. It's like we've devalued the role of nutrition and sleep and things that- Just basic principles. Well, they they really are fundamental pillars of health. Super basic. And then again, I'm sorry, keep talking about the blue zone because it's so fascinating. But like another marker was um, all of the regions, one of the common denominators was that they were um, all um, sort of on a a hill. (laughs) Yeah. They were all, uh, it wasn't like, oh, they were all these coastal, beautiful areas. They were actually a bit inland and they were on like a mountain. So you literally, they all had to walk up whatever um, incline to go to and fro wherever they were going. But that was like a big... 
that was a big one. And you come back to physical activity is good medicine. And that's, and, and, you know, some of how we talk about our mood, I I hate it because you go, it's so limited because it's almost like we put up this, well, I don't want to go see a therapist. I'm like, okay, one, we can talk about that later, but do you know the things that are good medicine for you? And have you looked at those as a starting point? And that's my hope is that, uh, and I've talked so much here lately about Bruce Springsteen and his recent album, um, Western Stars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh my gosh. And his documentary. I have, I like his music. I feel like I should say I love it because we're close to Jersey. Um, <laughs> but I do. I've just always liked him. But he was seven years into his career from out of the blue has a severe depression. Mm-hmm. He's going from Jersey to California. as in about the middle of the States. And I mean, has a horrific major depressive episode, Mm -hmm. ends up going to treatment and he's talked about it and articulates his mood and struggles with mood probably better than anybody I've ever heard. And if you, oh my gosh, if you haven't listened and I have been traveling so much, I haven't been able to see the movie, but the The documentary is called what? um, Western Stars. If you just watch the preview, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm I'm gonna go see that today. Yeah. And wow. a guy like Bruce Springsteen, who's this successful, achieving, not just masculine, but for anybody that's pressing in life or engaged and he's a real man's man. Oh, yeah. you know? One, he's a man's man. Yeah. It's like the Marlboro man that doesn't smoke or have a horse. Right. And, right. But he may have a horse. His he filmed this in his barn on his property in Jersey with like a 30-piece orchestra. And he talks. Wow in between the songs yeah. about his emotional struggles in life. And I mean, it is moving. Yeah. And it's, I, I love people. And I'll go back to what you were saying earlier about people starting to articulate more of their struggles and whether you're successful or not. And I think he's one, like Robin Williams was one. Interesting. Brad Pitt here recently talked about it. Selena Gomez. Michael you, Phelps talked Michael about Phelps it. Michael Phelps has yeah. talked about Kristen it. Bell talked about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a lot of airtime. Yeah. It really is this discussion of, yeah. no, man, I have really struggled. Right. We're all actually, we're all more uh, closely connected than it's we are not even funny. I mean, that, so. you know, you look at everything you guys went through to do what you loved with the cold press mm-hmm. juices. I'm impressed that I know how to say that. <laughs> but that's only because I have a really good friend from California who's like, hey, make sure you get the right kind of a, a juice. Some. He goes, and I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, don't say pasteurized. So you're saying don't use a blender? He goes, oh my gosh, I'm going to send you what you need to buy. <laughs> uh, and so people have no idea of the burden of what it took and the price you pay to do what you did. And I look at, you know, I always refer to it as little I-360 and we've been doing what we've been doing for 12 or 13 years, but it was funny. I remember six or eight months into it and I love doing what I do. I can't believe I still get to do it. But I remember saying to my wife about six or eight months into it, I'm afraid this has broken me in a way that I'll never be the same again. Hmm. And you're like, wow, you sure don't, I hope you don't look like that at the office. I'm like, no, I can't look like that at the office. (laughs) Right. But it's the, every great achievement requires a sacrifice. Right. And sometimes that sacrifice is our sleep and our energy and the foods we eat. And yes, 
hell, if we have to call it something, it may be called depression. Right. But there are a lot worse things to have. Right. Yes. And I guess to your to the point that we're all trying to make here, there are there are more people going through it than oh. we realize. So it's definitely something to not feel like you're in it alone. And there are so many resources now. Oh. And again, that's why we want to have this conversation with you and encourage people to really just try to be honest with yourself about where you're at and accept it if that's what it is and it's totally fine and then actually you know seek whatever the resource is if it's physical or if it's talk or if it's even you know I mean we've had conversations about holistic treatments versus meds but there's nothing wrong with any one modality it's just that you have to be willing to try and my whole thing is you know should I use traditional medications or more I'm like yes and yeah Mm -hmm. use what works yeah Mm -hmm. use I mean start with like we do in all medicine let's look at the least in Invasive and work our way up and see if correcting sleep and decreasing some of the food and having an increase in your fit. Let's see if that helps. And you go, okay, it helped a little, but I'm still struck. Okay, well, let's look at this and add this and go get a physical. Go have lab work done. Start to look at meditation and the role of just being mindful and what that does for pain management, hypertension, and mood. It's unbelievable. There's so much out there that yeah. I think we've seen it. And what I'd encourage people is just talk about your symptoms. Don't jump in the deep end with a friend and go, I think I have depression. Okay, well, I, I don't know, but what are you struggling with? You're like, oh, God, just my energy's been down. Right. I've been, and just talk about your mood. Yeah. Um, and look at those things that are really critical to our overall health, which is I've got to stay plugged into a community mm-hmm. and I have to be mindful of using things to try to elevate my my down mood. Yeah. It's not really treatment. Right. It's actually prolonging yes. and maybe increasing my suffering. Totally. Yeah. So oh, on that note, the next time you have an urge, <laughs> uh on that, you know, next time you have an urge to um just mindlessly scroll through Instagram or like someone's photo, that's your friend, call them instead. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Have a conversation. A conversation. Yeah, we all need to do better about staying connected. Yeah, we do. And, and kind of yeah, revisit do. the days before we were more connected to our technology than to our people. So Yeah. Okay. So here's my last thought because I was reading about Matt Damon. He's got this article or this new movie out and he was talking about Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. I'll send you his quote because it's almost verbatim what you just said. He goes, that guy meant so much to me. And we've kind of lost touch the past couple of years because we both were very successful and busy. And it just breaks my heart that I didn't stay plugged in. Mm-hmm. And he basically says, listen, we, I need to do and we need to do a better job of staying connected to the people that mean the most to us. He goes, it just breaks my heart that I didn't know. Yeah. I know, I know. Story. So, all right, all right. Well, it is Kevin. treatable. We do get better. Yes, but not if we don't know what we're struggling with. Yeah. So, yeah. well, thank you so much for this. This has been uh, a yeah. really nice conversation. Thank you, guys. We hope Very, everybody's taking something away from. Yeah, it. a lot of good, a lot of good points here. A lot of good info. Yeah. Thank you so much. Enjoy visiting with you guys. I love all what right. y'all are doing. Until all next right. time. Until next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 
1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking. <laughs>